You are listening to the Grace Covenant Cornelius Audio Podcast. If you have your Bibles, you can look with me to Philippians chapter 2. That's where we're going to be this morning. Anybody been watching some college basketball? Anybody have their bracket busted yet? Yeah, mine is looking really sad. I would ask this afternoon about 6.10 to be specific. We could use a little prayer. We have David facing Goliath as we have Arkansas playing North Carolina. Now, I know it's difficult for some of you to pray against North Carolina, but my boys need all the help they can get. So if you have an extra prayer, if you could put that up, that would be, uh, that would be helpful. Well, we're in this series, the book of Philippians, talking about habits of, of happiness. And we're going to pick up chapter 2 this morning. As I was uh, doing some work this week, I came across an article that I thought was hilarious. How many of you know it's good to laugh? Like, laughter is good for the soul. Matter of fact, Proverbs 15, 15 says that a miserable heart means a miserable life, but a cheerful heart fills the day with song. So what I'm convinced of is we need to laugh more. We need to laugh more. So the article I want to share with you is titled, How to Know Whether or Not You're Ready to Have Kids. Now, I know some of you have already kind of passed through this season, and you're just going to be able to shake your head and say, absolutely. For for those of you who are like contemplating, is it time for us to start a family or not? If you have that question, um, there's just a little test scenario here, and I'm not going to read all of this, but I came across this, and I thought, wow, that is so funny, and it's so true. So here's a few of the test processes. Here, the first is what they call the mess, the mess test. Smear peanut butter on the sofa and curtains, place a fish stick behind the couch, and leave it there all summer. <laughs> I really like this one. It's called the toy test. The toy test. Obtain a 55-gallon box of Legos, or you may substitute roofing tax. Have a friend spread them all over the house, put on a blindfold, try to walk to the bathroom or kitchen. Do not scream because it would wake up a child. And then there's the grocery store test. Borrow one or two small animals, goats are best. And take them with you as you go to the grocery store. Always keep them in sight and pay for anything they eat or damage while you're there. Then the automobile test. Forget the BMW and buy a station wagon. (laughs) Buy a chocolate ice cream cone and put it in the glove compartment. (laughs) Leave it there. Get a dime and stick it into the CD player. Take a family-sized package of chocolate chip cookies and mash them into the back seat. Run a garden rake along both sides of the car. Now it is perfect. (laughs) And then there's a, a test for women and a test for men. It's called the physical test. The physical test. First, for the women, obtain a large bean bag chair and attach it to the front of your clothes, leaving it there for nine months. Now remove ten of the beans. And try not to notice your, clothes full, your, your closet full of clothes. You won't be wearing them for a while. And for the men, here's the physical test. Go to the nearest drugstore, set your wallet on the counter, and ask the clerk to help himself. Now proceed to the nearest food store, go to the head of the office, and arrange for your paycheck to be directly deposited to the store. Purchase a newspaper, go home and read it quietly for the last time. And this last one I, I really like because my wife and I, um, we adopted our kids later in life. So we were 15 years into marriage uh, when we adopted our son Caleb and two years later our daughter Grace. Grace. 
So it's 15 years of not having kids, and I preached some of my best sermons on parenting before we had kids. <laughs> and after we have kids, I, I think I've preached a sermon since on parenting. So I really like this final test, this final assignment. Find a couple who already have small children. Lecture them on how they can improve their discipline, patience, tolerance, toilet training, and child table manners. Suggest many ways that they can improve. Emphasize to them that they should never allow their child or children to run wild. Enjoy this experience. It'll be the last time that you have all the answers. (laughs) Too funny and too close to being true. Well, it's good for us to laugh because how many of you know sometimes life gets complicated? Man, there's dilemmas, there's situations, there's circumstances, there's, there's stuff in life. And if we're not careful, it's the dilemmas of life that can rob us, drain us of the happiness of the joy that we all want. Because we all want to be happy. I mean, I've never, I've never come up on anyone who just said, hey, I just want to be miserable all my life. Leave me alone. Never found that person. But what I know is we all want to discover this joy, this happiness in our lives Yet, if we're not careful, the stuff of life, the circumstances of life can like drain us of the joy that we want. But one of the things I've come to discover as I've studied this book, the book of Philippians, is that the circumstances of our life does not have to drain us of the happiness that God desires for us to enjoy. Not that we're not going to have the circumstances because you will. But in the midst of that, you can discover great joy. Matter of fact, there's a true story. A gentleman by the name of Viktor Frankl, maybe you've heard of his name, Viktor Frankl. He was a Jewish man who was taken into the Auschwitz concentration camp in 1944. For the next three years of his life, he faced unbelievable injustice. He faced cruelty. He faced difficulty, adversity. And he actually survived the pain and adversity of the concentration camp. Well, he saw many of his fellow men die in the trenches. And out of this horrible experience, out of this difficult circumstance, I want you to listen to a couple sentences that Victor wrote about his situation. He says, we who lived in concentration camps can remember the men who walked through the huts, comforting others, giving away their last piece of bread. They may have been few in number, but they offer sufficient proof that everything can be taken from a man but one thing, the last of the human freedoms, to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances, to choose one's own way. What Viktor Frankl discovered is that the circumstances of life can only drain us of happiness if we give them the power to. Let me say that again. The circumstances, the situations, the dilemmas of life can only rob you of happiness if you give them the power to do that. And what Viktor Frankl discovered is that even in the midst of the concentration camp, one can choose to find happiness even in the midst of that circumstance. And the challenge I think we have is that most people think that happiness is something that happens to them rather than something that they deliberately pursue, rather than something that we intentionally create. So if we're not careful, we sit around and we wait for happiness to come rather than aggressively going after happiness, rather than creating habits. And that's what we're talking about in this series. What habits do you need to embrace to generate the happiness that you want? See, if we wait on perfect circumstances to be happy, then we're going to go through most of our lives being unhappy. The happiness must be created as we process the highs and lows of life. You know, Martha Washington, who was the wife of the first president of the United States of America, the wife of, uh, of George Washington, made this statement. 
As I read it, I thought, wow, she is spot on, right on the money. The quote is on the screen. Listen as I read this. She wrote, I am determined to be happy and cheerful in whatever situation I may find myself. In other words, she said, I'm not allowing the situation to determine my happiness. She said, I've determined, I've already made up my mind, I'm going to be happy no matter the situation. She goes on to say, for I've learned that the greater part of our misery or unhappiness is determined not by our circumstances, but by our disposition. Not by circumstances, but by her disposition. In other words, the first lady was saying this. She was saying, it's the disposition that you choose that will determine the life that you live. Not the circumstances, but it's a disposition that you choose in the midst of the circumstance and situation. The Apostle, the Apostle Paul certainly understood it because he's writing this letter that we have called Philippians from a prison cell. So he's been falsely accused He's been unjustly punished. He doesn't know if he's going to get out of this prison thing alive. Yet he's writing about joy. Why? Because he determined his disposition rather than allowing the circumstance to determine his disposition. And in this, Paul gives us, I think, some great insight as to how we can discover just greater joy in our lives. So look with me in Philippians chapter 2. We want to pick up with verse 12 this morning. Philippians 2 verse 12. It says, therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Notice verse 13, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. Verse 14, he says, do everything without complaining or arguing. If you have your own Bible, would you underline that verse? And then circle it. And if you have a highlighter, you can highlight it too. Do not do everything without what? Without complaining or arguing. So that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life in order that I may boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor for nothing. But even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. Within this passage of scripture, the Apostle Paul gives us some exercises to keep our heart happy. Just as you have to exercise to keep your physical heart healthy, so you have to exercise to keep your heart happy. As I said earlier, listen, happiness doesn't just happen. It requires some intentionality. It requires you living your life on purpose. There's some exercises you need to do to keep your heart happy. You know, in my family medical history, it's not real good uh, as it relates to the heart. My grandfather had a heart attack in his early 60s. My brother, my older brother, my only brother, had a heart attack at age 42. And so if you kind of look at the history of the family as far back as I can track, um, you know, it's like the deck stacked against me, so to speak. So genetically speaking, um, I'm set up to have some challenges with my heart. So one of the things that I do consistently every week, I exercise five to six times a week. Not only that, every day, every morning I have this regimen, I get up. And I take a fish oil pill and I take a baby aspirin. What am I trying to do? I'm being proactive to keep my heart healthy. 
Because I have all this information that says there could be problems, right? Grandfather heart attack, brother heart attack. How many of you know having a heart attack is not fun? Um, I've never been to the hospital to see someone who's had a heart attack. And they said, whoa, that was a good trip. Why don't you try it? That doesn't happen. So what am I trying to do? I am proactively working to keep my physical heart healthy. In the same fashion, in the same way, hear me, friends. There's some exercises that you need to be doing to keep your heart happy. And Paul gives us, I believe, from from the text we just read, he gives us four exercises that you need to be um, engaging in on a daily basis. This is not like, you know, once a month, or it's not like, you know, when you feel like it. Some of the challenge for us as it relates to us physically is we only exercise when we feel like it. Right? Come on. I I know the challenge, right? You got that... um, treadmill in your house that you've been using to hang clothes on and that's not the purpose of the machine right so what there's there's exercises that we need to be embracing on a daily basis and again paul gives us four let me give these to you really quick four exercises to help you keep the heart happy here's the first one it's found in verse 13 always remember that god is with you he's in you he's for you when you get up in the morning First thing you want to do is you, you want to remind yourself. You want to, you want to start exercising, right? I would encourage you to start exercising before you ever get out of bed. Before you ever get out of bed, as you're starting your day, remind yourself, God is in me. He's with me. He's for me. As you're going throughout the day, what do you want to do? You want to keep exercising. You want to remind yourself of the truth that God is in you. He's with you and he's for you. It's kind of like instead of taking the elevator, you take the stairs, right? Come on. Sure you do. Why? Because you, you, you want to get that exercise in. In the same way, throughout the day, we want to remind ourselves that God is in me, with me, for me. Let's, let's make that personal. Let's, would you say that with me? Let's just make that statement. God is in me, with me, and for me. Let's say it again. God is in me, with me, for me. Listen, that's not just some motivational talk. That's the reality of the truth of God's Word. Listen, when you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, there was a miracle that happened in your life. What was the miracle? Jesus Christ moved into you. He took residence in you. Matter of fact, listen, listen to what Jesus said, John chapter 14, verse 18. He says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. On that day you'll realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. So if you've accepted Christ as your Savior, then Jesus is in you. If you've not made the decision, if you've not come to that place of accepting Christ as your Savior, then listen, we can take care of that today. The miracle can happen. Then what? That Jesus Christ moves into your life. So what does that mean? This is what it means. Wherever you go, whatever you face, you never face it alone. Wherever you go, whatever you face, whatever the circumstances, whatever the dilemma, whatever the difficulty, listen, you're not facing it alone. Who do you have? You have Jesus Christ in you. He's with you. Not only is he in you and is he with you, but but even it's better, he's for you. Meaning this, he's on your side, in your corner, working for your good. And another letter that Paul wrote to the believers in Rome, Romans chapter 8, verse 31, we find these words. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? 
If God's for me, who can be against me? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Listen, Paul could be happy sitting in a prison cell because he knew that Jesus was with him in the cell and he knew that God was working for his good, even though he was in the midst of a horrible situation. He was reminding himself, God's in me, with me, for me. Listen, the next time you find yourself in a difficult circumstance, a difficult situation, next time you find yourself in a dilemma, do a little exercise. Here's the exercise. Talk to yourself. Remind yourself what God is in you, with you, for you. I'm telling you, if you began to feed your mind and feed your spirit the reality of the truth that God is in you, with you, for you, you know what you'll find? You'll find happy in the midst of the difficult place. Why? Because you're you're doing the exercise to get the result that you want. So, so the first exercise is we're gonna, man, we're gonna remind ourselves consistently, continue. God is is in us, with us, for us. Here's the second exercise that Paul gives us to keep our hearts happy. It's this: be grateful and never grumble. Be grateful and never grumble. Look back to what Paul wrote, Philippians two fourteen. He says, "Do everything." So, how much is everything? It's like everything, right? I mean, it can't get much plainer than that. Do everything without complaining or or arguing. I don't know if you've thought about this, but we are a bunch of blessed people living in the most blessed country in the world today. Yet we complain a lot. It's true. We're the most blessed people. Did you know that there's people risking their lives on some some raft that they put together trying to get across the seas just so they can make it to the United States of America that they might enjoy what you and I enjoy today? We are blessed people living in the most blessed nation on the planet, yet we complain a lot. Paul would say, here's an exercise that we need to embrace. We need to be grateful and, and never grumble. There's a story of a, of a Christian man who had come upon hard times. He was impoverished, broke, um, walking down the street. He only had one pair of shoes. The pair of shoes he had on had holes in the soles. His toes were sticking out the end of the shoes. And as he's walking down the street, he's, he's whining and complaining, kind of mumbling to himself about these uncomfortable, miserable shoes. Tough time that he's having. Where's God in the midst of it? He's walking down and he comes up on a man who has a sign. He's holding a sign begging. He's sitting on the curb on the sidewalk. And he looks from the sign down to the man and he realizes, recognizes that the man has no legs. And all of a sudden he comes to the realization that there's something worse than having worn out shoes. It's having no feet on which to put your shoes. Hey, oftentimes we find ourselves in situations where we whine and complain when we should be giving thanks. Because this is what happens when you give in to complaining, it like drains you of happiness. Have you ever tried to fill a bucket with water when there's holes in the bucket? It doesn't work, does it? 
Why? Because there's a hole in the bucket. Can I tell you what? Can I tell you what whining and complaining and grumbling is like? It's like you got a hole in your happy bucket, and happiness is always leaving your life because you're whining and complaining rather than being grateful. You're looking at all the places that God's not working rather than giving thanks for where He is working. You're complaining about what you don't have rather than giving thanks for what you do have. Interesting. I would encourage you to do a, a little study on the children of Israel. As they were traveling from Egypt to the promised land, from a place of slavery to a place of freedom, they had some challenges along the way. And the greatest challenge was this. They continued to whine and complain. Rather than trusting God, rather than giving thanks to God, they gave way to complaint. And it was the complaint that created most of the trouble. Matter of fact, they come right to the edge of the promised land, the land that God wants to give them, their future, and they begin to whine and complain rather than trust God. The scripture says they spent the next 40 years wandering around the wilderness. As a result of complaining, not only did they miss God's best, but they lost happiness in the process. So what's the second exercise? It's this, we're going to be grateful, never grumble. So turn to your neighbor and say, hey, be grateful. Go ahead and tell them. Be grateful. We're going to be grateful and not grumble. Here's the third exercise that Paul gives us to keep our hearts happy. It's this. Hold firmly to the word of life. Hold firmly. Hold on to. In verse 16, Paul wrote these words. As you hold out or as you hold on to the word of life. Uh, I really like the way the message paraphrase states verse 16. It reads like this. Carry the light-giving message into the night. So I'm carrying, I'm holding on to, I'm carrying the life-giving message into the night. When, when you find yourself in overwhelming circumstances, you, you want to make sure that you're always anchored to the truth of God's Word. What you don't want to do is you don't want to allow your emotions to sway you. How many of you know emotions are so unstable? Would you agree with that? They're up and they're down, and they're up and they're down. If you live by your emotions, what's your life going to be? You're going to be happy one day, miserable the next. Happy one day, miserable the next five. Well, it's the way it works. So what we don't want to, we don't want to live our lives according to our emotions. We want to attach ourselves to the truth of God's word. Hold on. When the circumstances are tough, when the dilemmas are happening. What do you want to do? You want to hold on. You want to anchor yourself. Hold firm to the life-giving word. About three months ago, four months ago, I, uh, I had several dilemmas happening all at the same time. I had several storms coming together in my life. I had some personal things going on. had some staff things going on. had some church things going on. I had a number of storms, and I was in the middle of all of them at the same time. And I, 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 I was being drained of happiness. I, I was being drained of joy. Matter of fact, I'd go home and I was grumpy. And my wife says, why are you grumpy? It's not okay to be grumpy. And I began to think about, okay, it's not okay to be grumpy. What happened to my joy? Where did happiness go? What do I need to do? 
And then, you, know what I, you know what I began to do is I just began to speak the truth of God's word. I began to talk to myself. How many of you know it's okay to talk to yourself? The world may say, hey, you're going crazy. You talk to you. Listen, it's okay to talk to yourself. And I began to remind myself of the truth of God's word. I began to remind myself of scripture that I had memorized. Scriptures like Philippians 4.13 that says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Psalm 23, 1, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Luke 1, 37, all things are possible with God. 1 John 4, 4, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. What I began to speak the word of God in the midst of my dilemmas. Now, I'd like to tell you the dilemmas just uh, vanished. They just went away. They didn't. I still had the storms. I still had the circumstances. I still had some personal issues. I still had some staff issues. I still had some church issues. I still had some finance issues. The issues were still there. They didn't go away. But you know what changed? Me. Hold on. So the third exercise is what we're going to hold on to. We're going to anchor ourselves to the truth that never changes. Listen. Your situations are constantly changing. How I many you know our, our culture is constantly changing? Our world's constantly changing. What never changes? The truth of God's word. So what we're going to anchor ourselves. We're going to hold firmly to the truth of life. Uh, Psalms 119 verse 1 and 2. Great verse of scripture. It's on the screen. Would you read this with me? Let's read this together. Happy are those who live pure lives. Who follow the Lord's teaching. Happy are those who keep his rules, who try to obey him with their whole heart. So notice what scripture says here. Psalm 119, 1 and 2 says we're happy what? When we take God's word and we're trying to live it out, when we're holding on to it, when we're anchored to it. So the third exercise, we're going to be grateful and never grumble. The third exercise that we want to practice on a daily basis is we're holding on to the word of life. We're anchoring ourselves to the truth. And here's the last exercise that Paul gives us to to keep our hearts happy. It's this. Use your life to serve God by serving others. Use your life to serve God by serving others. If you look back to verse 17, Philippians 2.17. On the screen we have the uh, New International Version. I want to read... The message paraphrase, verse 17, reads like this. Even if I am executed here and now. So Paul says, even if my life is taken right now, I'll rejoice in being an element in the offering of your faith that you make on Christ's altar a part of your rejoicing. Basically, Paul was saying, if they take off my head tomorrow, it's okay. I'm still rejoicing. I'm still celebrating. I'm still doing a happy dance because I've been able to serve God and I've been able to serve you. And as a result of the service, it's brought great joy to my life. So what's the fourth exercise we want to do? We want to find our place of service. We want to serve God as we're, as we're serving others. I know I've talked about this before, but it's, it's worth saying again, happiness is not discovered in self-seeking. Happiness is discovered as you give yourself away in service to others. Want to discover outrageous joy? How do you do that? Man, it's by daily living your life in service to others. In Mark chapter 8, verse 35, listen to what Jesus said. He says, if you insist on saving your life, you'll lose it. Only those who throw away their lives for my sake and for the sake of the good news 
will ever know what it means to really live. Notice Jesus is what we discover real life, what it means to really live when we give ourselves away in service to others. When we're we're looking out for the benefit of others. Our culture tells us that we we have to get more to be happy, but the truth is, is that we discover happiness when we give our give ourselves away in service to others. I I received a great email this week that illustrates this point. There's a lady in our congregation who has great passion and skill at interior decorating. Maybe she's really good at it. And so she connected with Pastor Michelle and said, Pastor Michelle, I I really enjoy interior decorating, taking something and kind of like reworking it and making it beautiful. She said, how might I use my gifts? And so Pastor Michelle connected her with the Hope House and Beds for Kids, two great service organizations. And we received this email back this week. Listen as I read this. This lady wrote, "I, I wanted to let you know how God worked my passion And what your introduction to the Hope House resulted in. We've partnered with Beds for Kids. And I've had the opportunity to update the entire Hope House, which is like a rescue house. And Friday, I'm I'm assisting our third resident transition into an apartment that we've decorated. God's providing all we need to decorate their homes. I've also developed relationships with the residents and attend their weekly Bible studies. Thank you for the connection. So here's a lady who's discovering... Man, outrageous joy. She's discovering great purpose, living out her passion in service to others. So how do we discover greater joy? How do we, how do we come to happy heart? We, we find our place of service, living our lives, not for ourselves, but for the benefit of others. As I wrap this up this morning, I want to encourage you to keep exercising. Keep exercising to keep your physical body healthy. Listen, if you're not doing that, you should. Listen, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, and you should take care of it. So if you're not, let this be a nice kick in the seat of the pants from the pastor. You need an exercise routine. Take care of your body. I don't want to do your funeral tomorrow. Okay? So get an exercise routine. But beyond just taking care of your physical body and your physical heart, I would challenge you this morning to continue to exercise to keep your heart happy. We're going to be grateful. We're not going to grumble. We're going to, we're going to remember. We're going to remind ourselves daily what God is in me, with me, and for me. We're going to hold on to the word of life. And we're going to find a place of serving others. Well, it's those exercises that, what, that create happy heart, that brings joy and fulfillment and purpose for our lives. I would choose you, I would challenge you this morning to to live your life like Harriet Thompson. I don't know if you get the Shari Observer, but her story was in the Observer this past Saturday. Harriet, get this, is 93 years old and she's training to run in the Rock and Roll Marathon on June the 4th in San Diego, California. You heard me right, 93. And she's training to run in the Rock and Roll Marathon. It'll not be the first time. It would actually be, if she makes it, it'll be the 16th time that she's competed uh, in this particular 26.2-mile competition. In 2015, she ran the race at 92 years of age and finished in 7 hours, 24 minutes, and 36 seconds. Imagine that. She became the oldest woman to ever complete a 26.2-mile race. In the midst of this, in the, her, as she was telling her story, in the midst of this, there's been some dilemma, some circumstance, some situation. 
She had uh, cancer that she had to deal with, radiation as a result of the radiation. There was issues with her legs. She had open wounds that wouldn't heal, required a skin graft. She had a titanium, actually two titanium plates put in her jaw. Uh, She just finished all this process. Now she's in recovery. Actually, in the article, she says, I feel like a million dollars. She's 93. I feel like a million dollars. And now she's in training for this race coming up on June the 4th. Two weeks ago, she ran a 5K race down at South Park and uh, did actually quite well. Her only frustration about the race is that she was in uh, this Otis stage group, because they stage people for the races. She was in the stage group of 65 to 98. And her frustration was, she says, I'm running against women that are young enough to be my daughters. <laughs> Yet, she in, in this 5K race two weeks ago, she finished third in her category. Two 69-year-old women finished ahead of her. But she finished third, 93 years of age. Amazing. 94, 94, her plan, uh, yeah, 94, her plan is to be running in this marathon. As I read Harriet's story, I said to myself, I want to live my life that way. I want to live with that kind of passion where I'm not giving up, I'm not giving in, but I'm embracing fully all that God has for me. Not just in exercising to keep my body healthy, but exercising to keep my heart happy. Listen, this is what I believe. I believe this for my life. I believe it for your life. Is that God has greater happiness for you to experience in your life. Greater happiness. No matter where you're at, no matter what you're going, this is what I believe today. God has greater happiness for you. How do you get there? There's exercises that we embrace that keep the heart happy. So may, may we be able to take the truth of God's word and work it into our lives that we might experience the fullness of the life that He has for us. Would you pray with me, Lord? I thank You this morning for the challenge of Your Word, the encouragement of Your Word, the truth of Your Word. And Lord, what I know today is what we talked about, Philippians chapter 2, works for all of us. Lord, for everyone here this morning. What I know is that we could all use a little more exercise to keep the heart happy. And so, Holy Spirit, my prayer today for myself, for myself first and foremost, Lord, for for all of my friends here today, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would help us take the principles, take the things we've we've talked about today, because they do work. They work for Paul as he was in a prison cell. Lord, they'll work for us in our lives as we're going through just the dilemmas, the stuff, the challenges of life. Holy Spirit, help us embrace the exercises. Help us to embrace the daily routines that bring us to a happy heart. Lord, I, I believe. Lord, I, I, I just believe you have greater things for us. So, Lord, may we embrace the truth of your word that we can experience the fullness of what you have for us. That we might discover the joy, the outrageous joy that you have for us in our lives, even in the midst of difficult places like prison cells. Holy Spirit, help us to that end, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.